On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I had the absolute pleasure of talking to Serge Popovich from Crossrope. Serge is somebody who I have followed for a long time uh, on LinkedIn, and it was just awesome to get to chat with him. One of the big things that we talked about was Facebook groups, but not in the VIP style, using it more top of funnel. Uh, Serge had some awesome ideas uh, that I am going to try to implement in some of our businesses uh, and for clients because I feel like it was incredible thinking about it from that top of funnel standpoint. We talked about a lot of stuff today. You guys are going to get a ton out of this episode. At Mindful Marketing, we know that you want your brand to be successful. In order to do that, though, you need to predictably acquire new customers. The problem is Facebook and Google are only getting more expensive, which makes you feel unsure of whether your brand will survive. We believe that building a community of loyal and repeat customers is the answer. We understand how hard it is to predictably grow a brand, which is why we have created a system using our own mid-seven-figure e-commerce brand as a test case. And here's how we do it. Number one, we execute a profitable ads strategy. Number two, we build a brand-owned loyal base of repeat customers. And number three, we grow exponentially predictably and consistently so download our free sales launch checklist at mindfulmarketing.co slash slc so you can stop having sales that bomb and instead grow your revenue predictably and exponentially hey guys before we begin i want to talk to you about how to grow your e-commerce brand in a post ios 14.5 world if you're doing over seven figures in d to c you need to hear this back when facebook ads were absolutely crushing it and driving massive amounts of revenue setting up basic flows and sending out occasional email campaigns used to cut it sms marketing included you'd see it constantly and so would we when we were looking at accounts at mindful marketing brands earning 20 to 45 percent of their total revenue with email marketing with maybe three to four hours of work a month. And that's because they just set up some basic flows and then silence. But now that the Facebook algorithm has stopped spitting out such ridiculous returns, where do we go? Retention. But it requires marketers to go deeper than simple templated flows and copy and pasted campaigns, which we've seen all the time. It requires actually having a system that increases the LTV of your customers and then actually realizing that entire customer lifetime value in a shorter period of time. And hopefully even seeing a higher LTV. We're saddened to see brands do all the same things with their emails and SMS, and we're sick of auditing agency accounts who simply set up welcome flows and show off how many sales they make. Anyone can set up a welcome flow, abandoned cart flow, etc. That is the simple stuff, guys. The real key in retention marketing is digging deep into your market, copy, offer, your creative, and then pairing that with a strategy that turns one-time buyers into two-time buyers, into three-time buyers, and on and on, just like we've seen at our brands. So if you want to find out exactly Exactly how deep our retention marketing strategy goes, book a quick wins call with our team and we will show you exactly how we drive more repeat sales for our clients and hopefully how you can too. Go to mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins. That's mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins, all one word. Now on to today's episode. Hey guys, Jordan West back here with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today I am joined by somebody who I uh, have known virtually for at least the last year or two on LinkedIn. I feel like I see almost every single one of his posts on LinkedIn and I am very happy to uh, just get an idea of what's going on over at Crossrope. So Serge Popovich, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Jordan, it's nice to be here, man. It's been uh, something I wanted to be on, watching your posts as well, so really excited to chat. 
Awesome. Awesome. Yes. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. And two fellow people in Canada. I was going to say Canadians. I'm not 100% sure uh, if you are a Canadian citizen or not, but uh, you're about as Canadian as I can think of so far. So uh, I am. Yeah, I've been here for a while, but it's nice to talk to Canadians. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So for people who don't know anything about you, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Crossroad. Uh, we're a unique fitness brand. We've we've been around for a while, uh, but I feel like the startup definition is sort of uh, come and gone. So it still feels like a startup. Every day feels a little bit different. But we're, uh, we make a unique weighted jump rope system and companion fitness app. And we're really targeting sort of like the home and portable workout space. We've been around since... 2012. I joined the team around 2015. I, I have an engineering background, uh, so I started my career there, uh, tinkered a, a lot with online marketing, got to meet the CEO of Crossroad really early on. He invited me to join the team when it was just two or three of us. And so I, I jumped on board and it's been a fun ride ever since. Wow. How great is that? How big is the team now? I think last headcount was about 33, 34. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So you guys have grown a a substantial amount. It's interesting as you scale up businesses from that level, you know, the two or three people, I I find that the two to 10, that's a massive, massive change. And then even, you know, we're, I was doing a headcount the other day of our companies and we're at about the 50 mark right now. And it's a lot, you have to, you have to be in a different, uh, you're in a different business altogether, right? And it's a different organization. You're no longer in startup world. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's totally different. Talk to you about what is working right now uh, at Crossrope in the fitness space uh, marketing wise. What are you guys doing that is really pushing the envelope uh, and actually getting some results? Oh man, honestly, the the whole fitness landscape has been a roller coaster ride for, I'd say the past two years. Everything was, you know, slow and steady, obviously until last year where everything just got shaken up with, you know, the pandemic and everybody moving all over to home workouts, getting out of the gym. And it's just been really interesting to see it sort of change and evolve as things have started opening up again. And we're really still trying to figure out what the new normal looks like within, you know, the fitness landscape. On top of that, we're, we're obviously dealing with this, these, I guess, similar changes in the advertising landscape. So, you know, things look very different now. So this is the year itself has just been a whirlwind trying to sort of come off of the highs of last year, obviously in the home workout space. So I, I say that because if you had asked me last year, what's working, honestly, everything. Didn't matter what we did. Every, you put it out and, there, people are buying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we, we basically just, we said the same things we've been saying for eight years. We just got given a larger megaphone, you know, and so a lot more people were listening and, and it was resonating with. So, so this year, the biggest challenge we'll start with is really just trying to figure out of all the things that we did, what's actually working as the tide sort of clears out and we reach this new new normal post-pandemic and people are still sort of figuring out their fitness routine. What is it that actually worked last year and what is it that we got to cut out? And so I think we've done a really good job of tightening things up, consolidating the channels really un- and you know understanding how they work together. Because last year was just busy, busy, throw everything, do as much as you can, use the extra capital, just you know, really push, push things. So this year, I think we've, what's worked really well is dialing in sort of like middle and bottom of the funnel. So mm. last year, top of funnel was, 
you know, where, where we spent a lot of time really just trying to get the brand out there. This year, as we've sort of built out this, you know, larger customer base than we'd anticipated, obviously, for the year, it's really figuring out, you know, customer lifetime initiatives that we can explore while still trying to manage all the, the prospecting with the paid advertising challenges. So some of the things that have come from that, working with, you know, rescoping and reshaping some of the things we're doing with email, mm. we've started pushing really, really hard on SMS and trying to get creative and do some different things there. And so both of those channels have seen some some good results this year really just i mean this year like any other year creative is always top of mind so last year we just had an opportunity to shoot a lot so i think this year what's worked really well is djing and remixing a lot of the different creatives and experimenting Mm. with a lot of types of messages and different types of creatives so i think a lot of focus and time effort energy into all the middle bottom of the funnel initiatives but a lot of customer lifetime initiatives so a lot of time effort energy going in for example in our app you know where we have a we have a fitness app we have aspirations of turning it into the you know best fitness app in the ecosystem it's just really unique and so we're just really dialing in on that experimenting with different ways to integrate it with the ropes and so yeah it's a a mix of those things for sure so i was going to actually ask you about customer lifetime value you have a product that is purchased once right i imagine that people aren't purchasing multiple products where do you get uh, the customer lifetime value boost and what do you see that looking like uh, because I, i'm imagining that there you know people who listen to this podcast there are a lot of single product people out there what does that look like for you guys and what does that roadmap look like it's actually yeah it's quite a, a robust roadmap although we do have only a, a small handful of SKUs. really the way we think about it is we, we sort of have this like north star crossroad experience that we think about so when when we say that it's essentially we know that in order for a customer to have best experience possible with our product, they need the bundle, which comes with all four weights of ropes. You have a full range of weights. It comes with the mat, so you can basically use it on more surfaces, but primarily takes care of your ropes, take care of you, takes care of your joints, takes care of your floors. And then you've got the app. That's where, really where the content lives. So you've got your yeah. workouts and your programs and your challenges. So for us, a customer really needs those three things in order to be able to experience Crossrope to the fullest and have the best chance of, you know, seeing results. So obviously not everybody who comes through our checkout ends up with all three. Even our bundle is really split up into two products. So we've got a get lean set with the lighter set of ropes and a get strong set with, you know, the heavier set of ropes. And those work just as fine. You can do app workouts with with either set. So the way we've structured the, the flow really is, you know, really dependent on what they get. A lot of people obviously start with the get lean. It's the, you know, lowest price point item. And it's, you know, for a weighted jump rope system, which is sort of a novel idea, especially at our price point, that's the place where more often than not, people are just most comfortable with starting to give this okay. weighted uh, jump rope thing a try. So a lot of customers, yeah, they'll start with the get lean set and try it out. We have a free version of the app, so they'll download that and play around with it. Now it's really around how do we sort of create the customer experience so that when they're ready, we can upgrade them to the mat so they have the right surface. When they're ready, we can upgrade them to get the, you know, if they got the get lean, now it's time to upgrade and get the get strong so you have the full range of ropes. Vice versa, if they got the get strong set, et cetera, and then how do we sort of position and continue positioning premium version of the app? as sort of like this must have if you really want to make the most of the, of the experience. So 
that is sort of the crux, you know, how do we get somebody to basically get to that North Star of the Crossroad Ultimate Experience? And then sort of, so that, that's the primary, let's say, focus of lifetime value initiatives. Everything else, we, we've got another probably four to six different sets. We call limited edition sets that will we'll drop. They're different weights, different colors, different designs on the handle. So yeah. this is for the the crossroad fans and those looking for really like specialized, uh, specialized type of set. So someone wants ultra heavy ropes, like a four and five pound rope. That's not for everyone. Like you'll yeah. want to have some experience with rated ropes before you get there. And so we drop these throughout the year and that's another opportunity to really build the lifetime value. So that's where our focus is on that collectively. Awesome. That's great. I love having conversations like this because immediately my mind gets spinning to our businesses and I'm like, okay, I love how you've got like, you know, this channel over here, you've got the app that, you know, is driving that continually driving that customer lifetime value. And then you've got these other drops, but you're still really staying true to, to your product, right? And to what you guys are known for, which is really great. Let's talk Facebook groups for a second here. Serge, as, as you know, and, and our listeners know, I'm obsessed with Facebook groups on the retention side. Love Facebook groups on the retention side. I feel like it builds customers customer lifetime value, we've seen a great correlation between engagement uh, and growth in a VIP group and customer lifetime value, average order value. All of those have, have been correlated across multiple businesses for us. I'd love to hear your strategy with Facebook groups. Um, talk to me about what you guys are doing with that and how that's working. Yeah, I figured Facebook groups would come up. I know you guys uh, love those. It's funny, I've just been having a lot of Facebook group conversations recently. So I don't know if it's a just top of mind, but you know, for us, we were fortunate enough to get into the Facebook groups back in probably 2016, 2017, like earlier on. Yeah. And it was just like fortuitous. Like one of the things that we started tinkering with and experimenting with as a growth channel was just doing uh, live fitness challenges. And so we would pack in a tremendous amount of value, like a 30 days of workouts, nutrition guides, all sorts of things, cash prizes for before and afters, completely free to join. And then when, you know, that was our primary lead gen play really early on. And so we would uh, bring people to participate together in this challenge. And then once they signed up for it, we would direct them into this private Facebook group. We just needed a place really to, to host this thing. And so this was an option. We figured, hey, people are already on Facebook. It's going to be the, the least uh, or the most frictionless way, I guess, of, of getting them into a community where they can communicate and do things together. And uh, from very early on, like engagement was great. It's really fascinating to bring people together from all across the globe to do something together. And so it just started, you know, going gangbusters. It just started growing. It's kind of like anything you get in early, like the organic reach and the organic growth just it was just moving so quickly and costs uh, advertising at that point was just so cheap to bring in new leads. And so we just started pumping and we started organically started growing as people started inviting. And so awesome. for us, uh, a little bit different than you know what you guys do is uh, we use it more of as an acquisition channel rather than a retention channel. So with that strategy that I just talked about, obviously, we're going to have a mix of people that have the product and obviously a lot of people that don't have the product. They're there because they signed up for a free fitness challenge. We don't mandate that you have to use our product to do the workouts. Like we say, you know, use whatever jump rope. Are you yeah. using the same group every time for each 30-day challenge? Or are you setting up new groups every time? Yes. So same, same, same. Awesome. I love that because I feel like you're intermingling some of your 
probably some of your uh, like brand ambassadors in that group as well. Is is that right? Like I, a lot of those people, I'm assuming, are still in the group. Oh, 100%. Yeah, we, we have people in there uh, that have been from with us from day one. Some of them we've actually, you know, elevated and they've become moderators for the group. Obviously, as a, as a community like that scales and it's not tied to like a customer database where you can really prove you're just going to have a lot of, you know, spam to deal with. So in the earlier days, that was a challenge for us. And so we, we built a robust moderating team. A lot of those were just existing community members. So for us, I mean, the value of keeping everything in one community was that over time, now you're on your second challenge, for example, and you did the previous one with your own rope. Now you're, you start seeing so many other people using Crossrope to do the workouts. The totally. workout calls for, yeah, 30 seconds of jumping with a one pound rope. And you sort of feel guilty because you're doing the workout with your cheap PVC rope. And so I, I remember having so many conversations with customers and community members really early on. And they kept saying like, yeah, I just feel guilty. And I start seeing Chad and Jenica and these people like using, you know, the full weights. Like I needed to get in on that. Right. And so we never had to say in the community, go buy the ropes. They would no, just see no. other customers using it. Oh, I love that idea, Serge. I'm immediately, my mind is spinning with different ideas. Okay. How do you get people into the challenge? Are you running ads? Uh, is this just going out to your email list? What does that look like? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the strategy is definitely was super straightforward in the earlier days. And this is what I was saying when the advertising was just a little bit more efficient. But I mean, we were able to, you know, drive or probably able to, I think if I remember correctly, bring in a lead for maybe 20, 25 cents. And it was like a nice. quality, quality lead. Someone is really interested in, in getting in shape. And so we were just able to, you know, really amplify that and build up the community that way. And the, it was a simple landing page. Obviously, a lot of work went into actually building out the programming that we're going to be delivering early yeah. days like when we were scrappy it was it was all in a pdf set or now it's a lot more robust now we do we have it all in our app so it's a way to bring, build up and get oh, people love uh, to try the app yeah so people have to download the app to be a part of the challenge yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so now obviously the the calculus has changed a bit because you know it's it's not as efficient to just bring people into the challenge just straight through Facebook. So we sort of look to one thing that's worked is we we tie in sort of like a, a viral sharing component, kind of like any newsletter would do. So we, we use a tool called Viral Loops and easily integrate. So they sign up, they get some entries and on the landing page for joining the challenge, it's like, hey, once you went, once you join the challenge, you're also entered into this home fitness prize pack, right? It's worth 500 bucks, right? And so we yeah. bring in some other products along with their own. And so now when you join, you're encouraged to, to invite your friends and family and coworkers and you get more entries. And so there's that viral element that really helps amplify some of what we lost with uh, with the Facebook piece. So that's one change we've made. But I think uh, it's really just about getting scrappy around how you're promoting the challenge, but really just pack it with value and then figure out how to get it in front of the right audiences. So if it's not Facebook for you where that doesn't make sense, like it might be another, it's just another lead gen play that really works yeah. well. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's fun to see in the post iOS 14.5 world, all of the companies that are, are continuing to do well and just having to get creative, right? Because before we really could, it was just so easy, you know, before it was like, oh yeah, like, okay. Oh, we're not getting a five return on ad spend right now. Oh, that sucks. Now it's like, oh my gosh, I need to be 
so creative. We need to like get in there, get these different ideas. And it's great because it's uh, getting us to be more efficient and think like, you know, previous marketers before online marketing was a thing. You know, we really had to like actually think about our strategy rather than letting Facebook do everything for us. So it's really fun to see those kinds of ideas that you're putting out there. And I mean, you guys do that better than most. I think I, I think one of the really unique and creative things you guys do is with the, you know, the, the gated launches, right? Like who would think that shutting down your Shopify store for a long period of time and only opening it up, you know, for for these drops or whatnot would actually be a smart thing to do. Like I remember seeing, it wasn't the strategy, but I remember it was like, was the holiday season and one of our competitors just put a top bar and said, Hey, we're, we're gone for the holidays. And I was like, what? Um, so it was just like, I remember just thinking like, that seems so like the craziest thing. And then here's a strategy that's sort of built around a similar concept of just real true scarcity and exclusivity if you actually want a chance of getting it. So I think you guys are doing an awesome job just with, you know, the the creative ideas and actually executing on those. So that was really one of the things that I picked up from you guys. Not to, I don't know if it would necessarily work for us, but I just, the the framework around how you guys are thinking about it is just really interesting. I think that is what's going to end up winning post iOS uh, or privacy, I guess, whatever other changes yeah, they got coming down. <laughs> Those are the ideas and, and, and the type of thinking that's going to win. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Hey, thanks for that. I, I, I appreciate that uh, coming, coming back at the host here. <laughs> um, Serge, I, I got to ask you the question. I ask everyone that comes on the podcast, what is your secret to scaling? Oh man. I'll start with like team and culture. I think that is probably the foundation, or at least from my experience, starting when it was just a small handful of us to now 30 plus and, and growing. I think, and especially in this you know new world of remote, you just got to really have a strong team, a strong foundation that you can trust and that you that, that has, it's basically, we call it like they're all in, right? They're, they're in there for the right reasons. And they know what they need to do to sort of help scale the business within their own sort of scope. So to me, just a lot of time, effort, energy, and it's a never-ending game of really building a strong team, strong foundation, strong culture. Uh, that would be number one. And I'd say in tandem with that is probably building some really robust processes. So we've, you know, over the six years, you know, we've just figured some things out. And if you're going to be able to move quickly and, and do a lot of things, you just need to get efficient. So and processes and checklists have really allowed us to do that. Absolutely. The big difference when I ask this question to businesses that are still in that sort of one to five range uh, in employees and those who have scaled are people and processes. It's like, and if you read uh, like a book like Scaling Up, that's what it's all about. People and processes and the better people that you can hire. So something recently that we've actually learned that I just want to give a quick tidbit here is you don't always need to promote from within. That was, I think, a lie that somebody that somebody instilled uh, in me younger because you see these great stories of people, you know, starting out in the mailroom and moving all the way up to CEO. And those are awesome stories. I love yeah. that. But everybody reaches their level of incompetence at some level, right? The Peter principle, where it's like, you will hit your level of incompetence. And we've seen that in all of our businesses. And we've realized, oh my gosh, we just got to hire people 
above the, that level that have a higher level of incompetence. And it it's made an incredible yeah. difference. So don't, if you guys are thinking that you have to, you know, get that mailroom person up to CEO, it doesn't always work. Yeah, I'd say in, as part of that, I don't know if you're familiar with Robert Glazer and his work, but he has a, he has a really interesting concept, something that we lean on a lot at Crossrope. And that's sort of like this uh, hiring for experience versus aptitude, um, mm. whether it's from within or, or externally, but it's, it's, it's a really important concept when if you have a fast-growing organization because as the organization grows, what's needed of each individual from a skill, skill-wise or, or from a skills perspective or you know, growth perspective, eventually the organization, if it's at a steep enough rate, is going to outpace and outgrow a lot of the individuals on your team. So what, when you might, if you bring someone with a lot of experience into a role and it's a fast growing organization, it's very possible that it can outpace and outgrow that individual. But if you have, you know, and then they're just incompetent to, for what they need, you know, to be able to do. Uh, yeah. Whereas if you bring someone on that might be below sort of your growth rate, but they have a high high aptitude, you know, they'll actually outpace the growth of the business and be able to position themselves for, for bigger and better things. And so we really strive, whether it's internal, external, like how do you find people with high aptitude that can really level up their game, which is that's why I'm so passionate. I love talking about like personal development, you know, as sort of like this core foundation for a lot of good marketers and employees. It's like marketing game, as you, you do very well know, changes quite a bit and quite rapidly. And so everybody really just needs to stay sharp and stay, you know, on, on top of things. And you need a high level of aptitude in order to be able to do that. And so I thought that that resonated with me when you're talking about, yeah, it's just, it's going to happen, whether it's internal, external, find the people that for us, it's work just that have that high level of aptitude and try to figure out how to vet that out really early on in the process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Serge, that was gold there. Thank you so much for that. I got three more questions for you. I, uh, I hope that you're ready for these. Hit me. All right. First question, favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Okay. I got two. I'd say sort of personally, I, I love Notion. Like I'm, I think I'm over-organized, but I, you know, I've got a thousand things going on. And Notion just really helps me keep everything in one place and, and organized. So I've got my you know, robust processes and checklists and daily flows. And so I keep everything in there. Say on the business side, one I, I don't know if this one is as popular as I feel like it should be, but in this post-privacy world, Inquire. I don't know if you guys use it in any of your businesses, but it's the post-purchase survey tool. Oh, that stuff totally. is gold. If you don't have yeah. Inquire. So it gives us a whole other layer of attribution modeling. And we use the secondary question. So a tremendous number of insights from customers as they came in. So say those two. Awesome. That's great. And guys, uh, if you want to know more about Inquire, we actually had Matt Barr, their CEO on recently. I don't know what the episode number was, but you guys can go back uh, in the archives and listen to that all about uh, Inquire Labs. As well, we also had uh, Jeremiah Prummer from No uh, Insights, which is uh, one of their biggest competitors on as well. So you guys can feel free to search both of those uh, episodes out. I am so with Surge on this. Uh, Those are invaluable. If you don't have a post-purchase survey thing running, app running right now, just go stop listening to the episode and go and download one of those. It is worth every single penny. If you're spending, you know, more than, I don't know, a thousand dollars a month on ads, you gotta have that. It's just, it's absolutely essential. Serge, second question for you. Uh, Favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to? That I'm listening to or that I've I've listened to? I, I would say either listening or listened. 
I'm actually, let me see here. I'm listening to one right now. This is how my selfish time. In the work, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how to th- Thrive in the Remote Workplace uh, by Robert Glazer. I'm listening to that one now. We, we do like this uh, leadership uh, team book club thing. And so each month we someone recommends a book and then we all read it and, and, and talk about it. So that, that one I've got queued up. And podcast wise, oh man, I've... I'm a podcast junkie. Let's see. I'd say Planet Money probably recently has been my top. That's a great podcast. I think I go through phases. Yeah, I think they just have some really interesting topics and they're short and sweet. Otherwise, I've probably got like seven to 10 e-com related podcasts that I'll, you know, shuffle through, including yours. So, you know, maybe I'll listen to to this episode when it's out. Totally, totally. You're going to have to listen and share this one, Serge. (laughs) Last question for you. If you could sit down with anybody for an hour, they have to be alive. Who would it be? Anybody in any space? In any space. Oh, man. Well, I grew up playing basketball since I was very young. So I'm a huge ba- huge basketball junkie. I mean, alive, I would ha- have to go with, with MJ. I'd love yes. to sit down. I was hoping you'd say MJ. <laughs> I mean, if he was alive, I think Kobe would be uh, would be up there as well. On just two, you know, really interesting minds that I'd love to like ask questions, you know, and, and get some insight. So yeah, for an hour to sit with MJ, I'll take it. It's incredible too when you think about Michael Jordan and what he's done business wise too, and like his net worth. Like he is absolutely like he didn't just take what he did in basketball and then just like retire. You know, like he has built himself an absolute empire. It's incredible to see all based on him, but it's still absolutely incredible. Yeah. Well, Kobe was, I mean, it was a similar thing. I think he had a really bright future ahead of him business-wise that probably would have eclipsed his basketball career. But with MJ, yeah, I'd love to just sit down and talk about how the whole, you know, deal with Nike went down, how that was structured, those early days when, you know, when it was a, when it was the Bulls run and Nike was just sort of riding high and shoes getting banned. I just love to know the ins and outs of how those deals were structured and all sorts of things that sorts of decisions he's made over the years. But yeah, he's obviously would be just interesting to pe- peel back some layers and ask some questions. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'd learn a ton. I'm sure. Uh, okay, I got a bonus question here since you, you said MJ. Space Jam with MJ versus Space Jam with LeBron. Obviously Space Jam with MJ. You know what though? I, I haven't watched the LeBron one and I'm, I'm a little bit afraid to. I don't know if you've ever watched a movie that you really loved as a kid and you watch it as an adult and you're like, oh my God, this is terrible. Uh, and then it just ruins the memories you had of them. So I'm, I'm a little bit afraid to watch it for those reasons, even though it's a different, but I think it gets a lot of flack where I think people forget like, hey, this is a movie for kids. Like it's meant yeah. to be goofy and entertaining and funny. And so cut the guys some slack. It's a man. Space Jam was a, was a classic, classic movie. Great question though. I used the excuse of going with my kids to go see Space Jam and uh, with LeBron. And then we went and watched Space Jam with MJ afterwards. It's still better. The original is still way better. And it's probably all that sentimentality around it. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say it's crazy just considering how far the technology's come in terms of, you know, the animation and cinematography and stuff like that. It's, but you just can't beat that storyline and the classic no. characters, you know? So, yeah, I'm with you. I, you do mention, like, the kids. I think that'll be a time when I do start. I've already rewatched every Disney movie with my three-year-old 
probably two or three times. So it's, it's been nice to relive those. So I think as she gets older and she's interested in some like real movies or like non-animated movies, I should say, then I think that's when I'll start digging back into the, some of the classics. Oh yeah. It's, it's so fun. Maybe one of the best parts of having kids, you know? <laughs> For sure, yeah. Serge, this was so, so great to have you on the podcast. I really appreciate uh, you coming on. Where can people find out uh, and connect with you and with Crossrope? Yeah, uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Always fun chatting about e-com and, and everything. And so if you want to find me, I'm most active on LinkedIn, or I try to be. So you can just find me, first name Surgeon, actually, S-R-D-J-A-N. Uh, and to find Crossrope, just check out crossrope.com, uh, see what it's all about. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jordan. Appreciate it. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.